0: Um, what we're doing is we are in Genesis chapter 17. We're kind of flowing through, through Genesis. And um, my goal, it's a big goal, is to try to get through chapter, the end of chapter 19. I don't think I'm going to make it. But we'll try. But before that happens, I've got to tell you guys something that uh, my kids did this morning. Um, it, it, there, are, there are days when you have kids where you wake up and you want to strangle them. But then there are days when you wake up and your kids bless you so greatly uh, that I, I couldn't hold back the tears. They, they got my, without any prompting from me, I didn't help them. Both of my kids got my wife a Mother's Day present. And my daughter goes first. She got her a beautiful card, and she got her a necklace. And that, and I was touched. And, I mean, I, I was crying then. But then my son gave her um, uh, a little handmade thing he made at school which was like mom I love you for this I love you for that and I'm I'm sitting there at at the countertop just (laughs) just holding back the tears there I was so proud of my kids so uh just know that there are going to be times when you because you're getting ready to have another one and you just had one and y'all got a little one and I mean just you you got the kids and everything I mean just where you just look at them, and sometimes, I mean, you really want to just, yeah, to the moon. But sometimes you just, like, you see God's grace in your kids. And that's what I saw. Just, they, they, they're getting something. So I thank God for this church. They're getting something. I
1: was going to say, it reminds me of that. Not every
0: day we're going to see the harvest. Right. But we get glimpses of their fruit. We, we get we pictures. So mm-hmm. And today today was a harvest day. It was a good day. Um, So it doesn't matter what happens to me the rest of the day. I mean, the sky can collapse. It's a good day to me because that was a great day. I told him that was the best Father's Day present they could ever give me was what they did for their mother. It was a great day. But uh, in Genesis chapter 17, we're going to start back up. It says, and God said further to Abraham. So what God is doing is he's continuing to talk to Abraham about this covenant is said, now is for you you shall keep my covenant uh, and, and your descendants after you throughout their generations somebody somebody turn to Zephaniah 3 what God is going to say here Zephaniah 3:12 God is constantly on the on the lookout on the, on the on the keeping his eyes open for just continuing the people of Israel he always has a remnant in mind. In Zephaniah 3.12, Zephaniah is right before Haggai. It says, but I, will leave, uh, but I will leave among you a humble and lowly people and they will take refuge in the name of the Lord. The remnant of Israel will do no wrong and tell no lies. Nor will a deceitful tongue be found in their mouths for they will feed and lie down with no one to make them tremble. All throughout uh, the All throughout Genesis, all throughout the Old Testament, and even when you get to Christ in the New Testament, you see that within the people of Israel, there is a people of Israel. And and that is, uh, it is a theme of scripture that there are going to be this small group of people that God, uh, within his covenant nation, that are his covenant people. And he loves them, he protects them, he is looking out for them beyond the national blessings that he gives to Israel He gives them personal blessings. So that's what's what's happening there. So he says, uh, throughout your generations, he says, this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. And here comes the covenant. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Now, when he says every male among you shall be circumcised, everybody here has an idea. We all kind of know what circumcision is, right? Everybody kind of understands what circumcision is. God says, I'm going to do this. It was practiced in that area uh, before God institutes it. But here, when God institutes it, he gives it a religious significance. He says, I'm, just, I'm going to take this thing that you've, that the people around you have been doing and that some people do, and I'm going to give it. It's got a meaning to me. And it, then here's what it is. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin. And, that sh- and then it shall be, what's the next word? The sign. It's not going to be a sign, not just a, any old sign, it is the sign of the covenant between me and you. And every male among you who is eight years old shall be circumcised throughout your generations. Um, can somebody turn to Leviticus chapter 12? Whoever gets there first can read chapter 12, verse three for me. Lena, are you there? Leviticus chapter 12, verse 3. Read that for me. On the
1: eighth day, the boy is to be circumcised.
0: And somebody turn to Jeremiah 4, 4. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Remove the foreskin of your hearts, O men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Lest my wrath go forth like fire and burn with none to quench it, because of the evil of your deeds. There's what when he he is going to circumcise their foreskin, but what he's trying to do is what we read in Jeremiah 4.4. Thank you. By the way, what's your name? I'm sorry, Justin McFadden. Hey, Justin, what's going on? Um, and I think it's your Mrs. McFadden. How you doing? Um, uh, he's he's actually trying to circumcise their heart. God is trying to. Cut, and, and when he's talking about circumcision now the act of circumcision is a cutting off and a removal of um, uh, <laughs> I didn't think about how to say this delicately in the, in, in the church uh, of certain parts of uh, the male reproductive organ is that good? alright um, And but what he's trying to do is cut off and remove a certain people for himself God is trying to take these people and move him over there to himself. So now does anybody have any this is just a trivia question. Anybody have any idea why why it was you had to wait eight days?
1: Yeah. The blood coagulation is the maximum.
0: I knew I liked you. I knew that's it. There's a there's a it's a it they have found recently that there is a a blood there's a thing with the blood that it coagulates, that means it, it clots up after eight days. Tell me God did not know what he was doing. Tell me, God did not. If you circumcise them on the fifth day, they bleed out. You know that's just God said. Wait seven or eight days and go ahead. Yes, ma'am. There's a there's a system in your body, the way your body is set up, mm-hmm. that on the eighth day a child starts to produce this enzyme that makes your blood congeal, coagulate, right. and so if they if you had done it earlier, they would have bled out. If you had circumcised them earlier, but God said, do it on the eighth day, because this system in your body that he knew about, because God built us, he, he created us from the dust, he said, do it after eight days, and the kid's going to be fine. That,
2: that's,
0: that's a whole other issue. If you notice, when they do it, they also, did because the, they gave Trey a shot, they give you a shot of a coagulant to uh, help that happen. So see, God, but, but God, well, the point is, God knew. You know, and, and again, that's if you're asking me, that's the kind of theme for Genesis is that God knew God did it. You know, God did all of this stuff. So so, um, every male among you who is eight days old shall be circumcised throughout your generations. A servant who was born in the house or who was brought with money from any foreigner who was not your descendants, a servant who was born in your house or who was brought with your money shall surely be circumcised. Thus my covenant uh the, shall my covenant be in your eyes for an everlasting covenant. We covered that last week. But an uncircumcised male who was not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So again, we can see this theme that God wants to set up these covenant people because um, they are the people that are separated from, from this other people. But if you're not circumcised from and you're in Israel you're cut off that way so it's kind of a wordplay. you can be separated as a people but if you're not circumcised you can be separated because you're different you're not the same you're you're uh you're breaking god's covenant uh verse 15 then god said to abraham as for sarai your wife you shall not call her sarai which is my princess but sarah which is princess that shall be her name I will bless her, and indeed I will give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be, and the text actually just says, of nations. It doesn't say a mother of. You, is it in italics? Anybody have an ESV? It should be in italics. Yeah. It should be, does, you, uh, does anybody have an ESV or an NIV? You have an ESV? Is it in italics in the, in the ESV? Where exactly were you saying um, 15? Verse 16? 16. 16?
1: And, and she shall become nations?
0: Yeah, is it, so, so it just says she shall become nations in the, in the ESV. Yeah. That's a little more literal. This, what does the NIV say, honey?
1: It says kings of people will come from
0: her. So you, you, the idea is the same, but they, they're they kind of I'm looking sorry, at this. I'm sorry. You're in a different it's passage. Right I, I
1: will this. bless her so that she will be
0: the mother of <laughs> nations. So mother of nations. So mm-hmm. the, the NASB and the NIV are going to add this of mother of nations to the text just to kind of help you understand what's going on but actually it's just she's going to be like the ESV said I like it she's going to be of nations she's gonna, this thing she's going to make nations um, kings of people will come from her and kings of people will come from her Now, here's, a, here's an interesting thing then Abraham fell on his face Abraham is worshipping and he laughed and he said in his heart will a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old and will Sarah who is 90 years old bear a child? Now, he's 100 years old, his wife is 90 years old, and basically what he said is, um, I don't have the strength and the energy to have any relations with my wife. So, God, if you're going to do this, you've got to make it happen. So then it goes on and it says, And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. But God said, no, but Sarah, your wife, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his, uh, for his descendants after him. Now, when it says he laughed, everybody look up here. This is the word to laugh. It's samach, okay? That means to laugh. But Isaac is, it's, it's actually issach, and you can see how they're similar. You see how they look the same. The only thing different is this here, right on the front. God was he was using a word play with the people. He's saying, "Hey uh, Abram, you want to laugh? I got something for you. I'm going to name your kid to laugh." Okay. And I, I thought, and, and as I was reading that, I was like, I never paid attention to that before, but I thought that was just brilliant by God. He's like, "Okay, you want to chuckle and you want to say something? Okay, your kid's going to be named Chuckle." You know. That's what God is saying. God is so in, con- in control of what's happening that he understands what people are doing. He understands what people are thinking in their heart. And he's naming kids what they're doing. All right? And so it says, so then we go on, and it says he's going to establish his covenant for as an everlasting covenant with Isaac. As for Ishmael, now Ishmael is not left out. We always talk about the blessing comes through Isaac, the blessing comes through Isaac, but God made a promise to Ishmael. Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I will bless him. Ishmael was blessed and will make him fruitful, and and I will multiply him exceedingly. Now, again, we have to understand that that command was given in the garden. Multiply exceedingly. You know, go forth, bring forth people. It's given to Ishmael. He shall become the father of 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac. Hey, I'm going to bless Ishmael, but you need to understand it's Isaac that's the man whom Sarah will bear to you uh, at the season, at this season next year, that he might, and when he finished talking with God, God went up from him. Now, when you understand that phrase, God went up, somebody turn to Judges chapter 6. Question, yes, sir.
2: Do you think that that differentiation between blessing and, and establishing covenant, that God still blesses Ishmael, but covenant?
0: Isaac, I, I, yeah.
2: Do you think that is a good? Uh, I guess you would say, look at how God does common grace versus saving grace.
0: I, I would think so. I think just, you know, Ishmael. Basically, it, it's like this: Ishmael, it's still gonna, it's still gonna rain. It's still gonna not rain. There's still gonna be this, these general blessings. Okay. But Isaac. You're going to find a, a fatted calf, and you're going to eat really good tonight. You know, there's there's there are promises made to Ishmael that are just general overall blessings. He's going to be he's going to be multi he's going to be fruitful and multiply greatly. Mm-hmm. But the covenant, the promise, is given to Isaac, and there's so there are certain things that are going to happen to Isaac and his progeny mm-hmm. that's not going to happen to Ishmael.
2: Well, that's what I'm wondering. Like, if if God still
3: blesses people that aren't the people of God, you
0: know? Yeah. I I, I again, I think it's just a general. Blessed. Yes. Now,
3: wouldn't it also follow that because, and this is just thinking out loud, that because he was, you know, officially together with Sarah, it would make more sense to do it in that sense as opposed to him and um, and the servants. Hagar? Yeah. Um, where it, it kind of kept it as clean as possible, if you will, uh, within a covenant.
0: Uh, uh, Ishmael was still his son. Yeah. So is that what you're saying? Is that what you're trying to bring out?
3: Yeah. yeah. Um, but because it, it, he didn't have that type of a relationship with Hagar, right. He would have. it would almost have to be done that way because he was uh, officially
0: together with Sarah. I can buy that. Sure, sure. Yes? Isn't that what Galatians is talking about, though, whenever it says of Hagar and uh, Sarah about the... The one that was pure coming from Sarah and being the true child and the one from Hagar because it was a fleshly desire to have a child, that it was forced not outside of God's will, but it was it was from a fleshly desire, yeah. not a God's spiritually desire. Yep, that's it. Yes, sir.
1: Well I was just getting to, to his point, but I think it's it's backwards. It's not it's not because it was from the the, the marriage and cleaner that's where it was. That's God said beforehand that it was going to be that way, and that's why it ended up that way.
0: What do you, when you say that the providential way, providential working. Yeah, the providential working and who
1: he's married to, and who the, and who the promise from. is going through, right. and, that, okay. and that Isaac is is coming through the right way is, right. is because God said it, it was coming through the promise, the promise being fulfilled through a wife and such, and not because he was trying to do it on his own terms okay. with the could
0: Yes, so, I, I agree with you, so but I, I, later right and I, go it, it, I think if he, if I think that's That's the reason why
3: God has put it that way. In place that way.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, What did I say? Judges 6, verse 21. Verse 21 says, Then the angel of the Lord uh, put out the end of the staff. This is is during the the, the period of the judges, and you've got an angel appearing to to some of these people here. The end of the staff was in his hand, and he touched the, the, the meat and the unleavened bread, and a fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. Then the angel of the Lord vanished or went up from his sight. And if you turn to 1320, 1320? Yeah, 1320. 1320. Um, you've got Manoah here. And it he came, and it came from came about when the flame went up from the altar towards heaven. The angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. That he went up from when Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their face to the ground. There is something that happens when God would show up that he would miraculously appear and then he would miraculously disappear. And that would, that was, uh, that's going to be something that we're going to see is indicative of the Lord being there. When Abraham took his son, uh, Ishmael his son and all the servants who were born in his house and all who were bought with his money, every male among them, of Abraham's household and circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very same day. Now Abraham uh, was 99 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin and Ishmael his son was 13 years old when he was f- circumcised in his flesh of his foreskin. In that very same day Abraham was circumcised and Ishmael his son, all the men of his household who were born to the house or bought with the money from a foreigner were circumcised with him. So look, God said, I'm going to set up this covenant. This is the the sign, the definitive sign of the covenant. Abraham was obedient, all the men of his house, all of his servants, Ishmael, his son. But the promise is coming. 18, uh, chapter 18. Now the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. Now the, the... the way the language is here, and I heard I heard a guy say this, and I, I was looking at it, and I kind of agree with it. Um, you've got Abraham is there. He's just kind of contemplating. He might be praying. And it's, when it says that it, they appeared to him, there's no indication that he saw a caravan coming. There's no indication that he saw a man walking or anything like that. They just appear to him. And the, the, the text actually means that they appeared kind of over him. Um, They were kind of, it's kind of like, I I think it's kind of in the air. Because in verse 2 it says, When he lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, three men were standing opposite, that's over, over him. And when he saw them, he ran from his tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth. Uh, uh, Abraham sees these guys kind of not right in front of him. They're not way off in the distance. They're far enough that he has to run to them, but th- and they're there. He has no idea how they got there, and they're just kind of there. And Abraham runs up to them and bows to them. He knows he doesn't know who they are, where they came from, or what they're doing there, but he has a sense that something is different about these cats. There's something different about these men, so he bows down before them. Now, does anybody here understand the, the hospitality code that was going on back then at this time? You kind of understand you it? You have
2: to feed them. And if you meet somebody along the way, you have to be kind to a stranger.
0: You have to be exceedingly kind. I mean, all, we would think that that's just weird. That's how we entertain angels. Yeah. Uh, t- today, we would go, man, how'd you know where I was going to go? Man, he, that's the text I was going to bring up. Um, today, we would think that that's kind of weird. But you would bring, you know, if you were just walking and, you, you know, and you, somebody walked up to you, you would bring them in. You would wash their feet. You would give them the finest clothes. You would cook a meal for them. And we're, we're kind of going, you know, hey, i just give them some water and send them on their way. But, but they would take care of somebody. That, that was part of the culture of that time. So Abraham is, is doing what this culture said. It, turn to Hebrews 13, verse 2, which is exactly what Josh said. 10-2, you said?
3: 13
0: two. Thirteen two says uh, do not look, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. That has happened to people then and it's hey it might still be happening to people now so that person that you meet that you don't know that's just you know you meet them and you're nice to them and you start up've I've often thought that you know. You, I'm at work and I'm pushing the apples out and I just start talking to somebody and we have a really good conversation and we seem to bond, you know, I'm wondering, you know, hey, maybe I'm, I'm entertaining an angel and I don't know it. You know, I, do I doubt that? Probably, but could it be? And I don't know. But it's, it's amazing that God does this to people and he calls us to be nice. So this, this uh, when it says that there is, that Abraham bowed down to him, that's the Hebrew word uh, shakah. And this is the first time it's used in the scriptures. And so it technically can mean kind of like being reverential towards another man. But the first time it's used here, it's being used of what Abraham is doing to what we find out is God. Because it says in the very first verse, now Yahweh, the Lord, appeared to him. Abraham didn't know it, but Moses, as he's looking back, is telling us that's who it is. But it's going to be clear to Abraham as we move on. Um, And he said, my Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, please do not let your servant, please do not pass your servant by. Please let a little water be brought, wash your feet, rest yourselves under this tree, and I will bring a piece of bread that you may refresh yourselves. After that, you may go on since you have visited your servant. And they said, so do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent where Sarah was. Now understand, there's a difference between where he was. He's over here with the men. He rushes to the tent, and he's where Sarah was, and said, "Quickly, prepare three measures of fine ne- of, of flour, knead it, make bread cakes." Abraham also ran to the herd and took, a ten- and took a tender and a and choice calf, and gave it to the servant, and he hurried to prepare it. He took curds and milk of the, and, the calf, and the calf which he had prepared and placed it before them. And he was standing by them under the tree as they ate. So again, you got to think back. He's just being nice to these guys. He doesn't know where they are, who they are, what they are. But he's extending this hospitality to them. And they said, now that's interesting that they said, uh, where's Sarah, your wife? And he said, uh, she's over there in the tent. And he said, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening. Now, there's a difference, you guys understand. There's a distance between where they are and where she is. She's at the door listening. Um, Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. She could not have kids. Uh, She couldn't have kids anyway, but she was past that age. So she was... She's 90 years old. Sarah laughed to herself. Now remember, Abraham laughed first. Sarah's laughing now. And she says, after I become old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? She she says, look, I don't think me and Abraham are going to have relations because I'm old, he's old, I got no energy, and there ain't ain't no time for this. (laughs) And the Lord said, Yahweh said to Abraham, now he's not talking to Sarah. The Lord is talking to Abraham. Says, why does Sarah laugh saying, Indeed? Uh, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am also old? Is there anything too difficult for the Lord? When it uses that word difficult there, uh, if you turn to Isaiah 9-6, that's going to tell us something about what that word actually means. This is one of my favorite passages. For a child will be born to us, Isaiah 9, 6. A son will be given to us, and the government will rest upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Now, there's, different, there's disagreement in whether that's just wonderful, comma, and then counselor, or do you want to take it as, a, as, as combined words, Wonderful Counselor, but it's the same word wonderful here as difficult back in Genesis. God uses this word through the text of Genesis to often indicate stuff that he's going to do that we can't explain and he's saying look is anything too difficult for me is there anything that i can't do is there anything that's going to happen that you can't uh, that you won't be able to explain by saying god did it that's the point because again what's the whole theme to me of what genesis is talking about god did it god does it all and so When he says, is there anything too wonderful, magnificent, anything uh, overabounding? Can anybody think of a scripture reference that says something like that? Where he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think. That's our God. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you at this same time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Now, Sarah denied it, having saying, I did not laugh. For she was afraid, and he said, no, you did laugh. Now, I think that that's kind of funny. Did The the last of the, like, 17 Rocky movies that came out, did anybody ever see that movie? Anybody? There's a scene in there, because he's talking to this girl that was, like, a really young girl in the first Rocky movie, and, like, the young girl said some nasty things to Rocky, and so he says, you know, you said that. And she says, no, I didn't. He says, yes, you did. She said, no, I didn't. He said, yeah, you did. That's what's going on here. You know, God's saying, you laugh. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. God knows what people are doing. Then the men rose up, and they looked down towards Sodom. So it's getting serious now. And Abraham was walking with them. Now, how is it to walk with the Lord? Literally walk with the Lord. And, and, and uh, walking with them to send them off. The Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do, since Abraham will surely become a great nation uh, all the nations of the earth will, shall be blessed in him for I have chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken to him and the Lord said the outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great and their sin is exceedingly grave so whatever was going on in Sodom and Gomorrah the outcry is going up to the Lord it is exceedingly grave that's going to be important and I will go down uh, I will go down now verse 21 and see if they have done entirely according to this outcry which has come to me and if not I will know it's not that God doesn't know It's not God knows all things but God's going to go check this out he wants to see through his emissaries these two angels that are with him what's going to actually happen we're going to get to the angels in a second then the men turned away Uh, from there and went towards Sodom while Abraham was still standing before the Lord. Again the text doesn't give us an indication that he fully understands who he's talking to but some stuff has been happening that I would start to go if it was me I would start to think this guy is not just a regular guy he's different he's told Sarah what she was thinking he knows what's going on he's saying that the cry of of the of Solomon and Gomorrah is going to go up and that he is going to go judge these people. So Abraham came near and said, will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you indeed sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do, to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked so that the righteous and the wicked are treated alike. Far be it from you. Shall uh, shall not the judge of all the earth deal justly or do justice? So the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare the whole place for their account. And what happens in verses 27 through 32 is Abraham is just barking. Hey, 50, 40, 30, 20. And he finally gets them down to 10. Now understand, if you've got Lot, Lot's wife, his two daughters, their son-in-law, and the text also says that Lot has sons. We're talking about basically if Lot's family is righteous, will you not kill this, destroy this city? Basically, if you've got one person outside of Lot's family that's righteous, Lord, don't destroy this city. Abraham's heart is still with his family. He's thinking about his family. He's thinking about, hey, my, my, my in-law is, my, or my relative is down there, and I've got to save this people. I've got to save him and get him out of this situation. But God says, in verse 32, uh, verse 32, then he said, oh, may the Lord not be angry. He's, so he's saying, look, Lord, I just got one more question. Uh, I shall speak only this once. Suppose ten are found there. And he said, I will not destroy it on the account of ten. As soon as he had finished speaking, Abra- uh, speaking to Abraham, the Lord departed, and Abraham returned to his place. So what we have is we've got the men have gone down to Sodom. Abraham and the Lord are speaking. Then the Lord goes away. Abraham goes back to his place. Chapter 19. I'm actually making good time. Any questions, by the way? Any questions? If there are any questions, please raise your hand at any time. Um, now, the two angels, and remember, the text has said that these are, are two men back in, in chapter 18, verse 2 came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting at the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and bowed down to them. Again, same word, shakah. So Lot is doing to these, these men what Abraham did to these men. Now, I don't think he knows who they are because the text says that they're men. He's, again, showing hospitality. And he said, now behold, my lords, please turn aside to thy servant's house and spend the night, wash your feet, that, uh, then you may rise early and go your way. He's, again... I'm opening up my house. I want you guys to come in and live here for a second. Stay. It's all going to be good. They said, however, no, but we shall spend the night in the square. They're going to sleep in the middle of the city while they're getting ready to prepare it. Yet he urged them strongly strongly, so that they turned aside to him and entered into his house. Lot, he convinced, them to, Lot convinced them to stay in his home. And he prepared a feast for them and baked unleavened bread, and they ate before they lay down now this is where you got to pay attention this this whole this whole text is just actually it's amazing to me before they lay down the men of the city the men of Sodom surrounded the house both young and old all the people from every quarter and they called to Lot and said to him where are the men who came to you tonight now understand two men entering in a city and all the people see them all the people know that these two men have come into the city they were unbridled in their sexual uh, desires because you got just two cats are coming into the city and they're saying, Lot, give us those two men. Bring them out to us so that me, that we may have relations. That's the word yada. that means to know these guys. We want to know them. Now you'll have uh, people um, James White has a really great thing on his website called uh, something about uh, the refutation of gay marriage and I also got a tape by Greg Kokel that deals with this text and Leviticus and Romans, I would say if you want to understand all that's going on in the background, I I would listen to that. But you got to understand, these guys are going nuts because you got visitors in the town. And understanding how twisted the minds are of the homosexuals today who pervert this text and say it's all about the hospitality that we talked about and not about the homosexual acts, hopefully I can show you why that doesn't work because they'll say that God wanted to judge the city for the homosexual acts, but if you understand what we read before, God was going to destroy the city before uh, this homosexual act that they're getting ready to to practice, that they wanted to participate in. God said, I'm already going to destroy the city. Now behold, I have, Lot says, or excuse me, verse 6, but Lot went out to them at the doorway and shut the door behind them, I thought that was interesting, and said, please, my brothers, do not act wickedly. Now behold, I have two daughters who have not had relations with a man. Please let me bring them out to you, and do to them whatever you like. Only do nothing to these men, and as much they have come under the shelter of my roof. Let me give you my daughters instead of these two visitors. Okay, I love all of y'all, but if you're staying in my house, and I've got to pick between my daughter and you. Daughter. Daughter, I think you're gonna get kicked out, okay, guys. I mean, you don't understand, it, it doesn't make sense to us living today in 2013 that Lot would say, Take my daughters. He's turning, he's saying, I'm gonna turn my daughters. You guys can do to them whatever you want to do, but spare these two men. That to us, again, that sounds cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, but that's what he was, that's what he said, yes. The reason I say that is because the text calls them men. The text constantly calls, there are there are the um, as we're reading what Abraham is saying and reading what Lot's saying, Lot and Abraham refer to them as men. Right. And he, Lot or Abraham never we never have like a first person saying, "I know your angels" or anything like that. Constantly, it calls them men. The, the, as the, uh, the the text in what would be editorial comments by Moses uh, are. Say things like these are angels, or this this was the Lord, but we don't have any indication in the text that they actually knew who these guys were. I can see your point.
1: I mean, Abraham calls him the Lord when he talks to
0: him. He calls him Adonai; he doesn't call him Yahweh. Right. So there's again, that's the he difference with the judge of all the earth. Judge of all the earth, but he doesn't call him Yahweh. I understand that there's a there's a thing. I think Abraham think Abraham started to understand, right. but he wasn't sure. But when they get down to Lot, Lot doesn't know that these are messengers of the Lord. Everybody understands that the word uh, Malach in in Hebrew just means messenger. It's the same as Angelos in Greek, which just means messenger. Angel just means messenger. So, wh- if you are an angel of the Lord, it's a messenger of the Lord. Or if uh, God sent you out as an angel, you would just be a messenger. And it's not that I'm disagreeing with you. I, I think in the but in the text, I'm seeing as I read it. I don't see a definitive understanding that either of them knew who they were dealing with. I think that's part of the hospitality. That's either, that's either part of the hospitality code, which has really been warped in his mind, or, <laughs> or that's just telling us who, who this guy is. I mean, his, even though, like you said uh, last time, we, the, the la- in the last session, Lot's called righteous in the New Testament. He might be righteous, but he's, he's just off. You know, something's not right about this guy that, again, I'm not turning over my daughter. You know, take me. That's the first thing I'm thinking. You know, you guys do to me what you want, but keep my daughters and keep these guys uh, safe. Yes.
2: Bad company corrupts good morals. I mean, you see Abraham have to bail him out a couple times.
0: And again here.
2: And it's because he let him go the way. Abraham gave him preference. So, I mean, when you see those kinds of things, obviously, when you're in a city and you're still vexed. But he's in the city to prosper. Yeah. It's just there's a lot of lessons you can learn from the life of lot about compromise and those things that
0: could come back to this, destroy things. I agree with love. you 100%. Yes, ma'am. John, we're in, we were in verse 6, right?
1: Yes, ma'am. Uh, me and Miriam were going back to the beginning of uh, chapter 19.
0: Yes, ma'am. In the beginning, <clears throat> now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening. Right. The men that were inviting
1: them in we're calling them men, but would we say that in the beginning of it, referring to them
0: being two angels that Abraham knew? Well, we're, right here, we're dealing with Lot, in, right. and when we get to and chapter Lot, nineteen, we're dealing we're dealing with Lot, and Lot, I mean, Lot does not know that they're angels. This is a editorial comment by Moses. The two men appear. Lot, you know, this is just Moses saying, "Hey, these two guys went down." Now, these two angels go down. That's just Moses telling us who they were. But again, in the moment at the time, Lot does not say, hey, you two angels, why don't you come in here with me? Again, he's just saying, hey, these two men came, and I'm putting them in my house, take my daughters. Yeah, but they
2: did bow down if you take that verse a little bit farther. And I don't know yes. if they would have done that if they were just, visiting, or like, you know, that, that type of mindset you're talking
0: But again, in the, the hospitality code, when you bow down to somebody, you're just saying, hey, you're somebody that I'm, there's there's obeisance and then there's worship. I'm just giving you some reverential. Hey, a welcome. Yeah, it's that's because it's, it's, it's a, it it is completely within the custom of this time and these people to do that. So you're saying it's Not saying that they're not being referred to as
2: angels when we go back to the beginning of 19, but that Lot actually did not refer to them as
3: angels at that time, at that moment. He was I, referring to them
0: as men. Yeah, I think you meant to say that the text is telling us that they again. Were looking angels. back, Moses could say that they're angels. Okay. But when you're in the minute, when you're at the moment...
2: The quotations, hence the quotation mark. Right. Yep.
0: Lot did not know. I, I, don't, I don't believe that Lot knew that these guys were angels. But let's... let's is if there are any more... Any, any other questions about that? Let's, let's keep moving through. Um, but now, behold, I have two daughters, and they have not had relations with a man. Please let me bring them out. Verse 9. But they said, stand aside. I mean, that's, that's just like, wow. Hey, Lot, move away. Furthermore, they said... This one came in as an alien, and already he is acting like a judge. Now we will treat you worse than we were going to treat them. I mean, I'm like, what? So they pressed hard against Lot and came near to break the door. That's how they were so pressing in on him that the door almost broke. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. They struck the men who were at the door of the house with blindness, both small, so you got little guys, and great, and that, that could mean tall and big, or that could mean men of not, uh, not character or men of great character. They're all there, and uh, so that they wearied themselves trying to find the door. Men, let me ask you, if you're talking to a, a, if you were, you know, you're back in your dating days and you're trying to get your wife's number, if God had struck you blind at that moment, would you have been worried about getting your wife's number? Nope. Honey, I love you, but I'd have been worried about what happened to my sight, you know? That's what's going on. There, And this is not even within the context of heterosexual love. This is in the context of they're trying to take these two men, these two angels, and do some things to them. God says, you're blind. God just uses his angels, and the angels blind these men. Then the two men said to Lot, look, Lot, whom else have you have here? Son-in-law and your sons and your daughters and whomever you have in the city, bring them out of this place. For we are about to destroy this place because of their, their outcry has become so great before the, before the Lord, that's Yahweh, um, that Yahweh has sent us to destroy it. Lot went out. This is, a, I'd never read this verse before and understood it. Never. Lot went out and spoke to his son-in-laws who were, who were to marry his daughters and said, up, get up out of this place uh, for the Lord will destroy it. But he appeared to his son-in-laws to be jesting, to be joking. I never paid attention to that. So, I mean, Lot has had this experience where he has pulled these two men into his house. The city has come to take them and do whatever they want to do with them. They've been struck by blindness. Lot goes to his, son, his soon-to-be son-in-laws and says, hey, we got, we got to go. And they think he's joking. Now, again, that could say something about who they thought Lot was. Maybe he wasn't a stand-up guy. But I, I think if, if I was Lot and I, and I come into the situation, there's going to be something on my face and my tone that lets you know that I'm serious. I'm not joking. Hey, dudes, we got to go because something's about, this is about to get bad. But they say, nah, we're not going anywhere. When morning dawned, verse 15, the angel urged Lot, saying, take up your wife, your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he hesitated, so the men seized his hand, and the hand of his wife, and the hands of his two daughters, for the compassion of the Lord uh, was upon him, and they brought him out and put him outside the city. Even though Lot knew judgment was coming, he hesitated. Lot was still like, I don't really want to go. God had to drag him out. Now what happened to what Abraham had bargained for? 50, 10, 50, 40, 30, 10, when you get down to the text, it says, Lot, his wife, his daughters, and his sons. Um, when they had brought him outside, one said, escape for your life. Verse 17, do not look behind you, and do not stay anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains, or you will be swept away. But again, Lot said to him, oh, no, my lords. Now behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have magnified your loving kindness. He's using all these syrupy words. Have magnified your loving kindness, which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains, for the disaster will overtake me, and I will die. I can't make it all the way up there, but you have Solomon, Gomorrah, and you've got a couple of, of surrounding cities. Don't make me go all the way over there, Lord. Just let me go to this city that's still close, because I think I think Lot's thinking, Lord, whenever you're done, I can go back. Okay? So Lot's going to a city nearby. He doesn't even want to do what the Lord has asked him to do and get out. He's just going to go to a city nearby. Uh, Now, behold, this town is near enough to flee to, and it's small. Please let me escape there. Is it not small that my life may be saved? And he said to him, behold, I will grant you this. Request also not to overthrow the town with which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the town is called Zohar, and Zohar just means small. Verse 23, the sun had risen uh, over the earth when when Lot came to Zohar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the city, And what grew on the ground. But his wife from behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. God, there is is only two judgments like this judgment in the entire Bible the flood, when God wipes out everybody, and the book of Revelation, when judgment, the end time judgment comes. God says, this city is so wicked, so vile, they can't come back. God turns them over, and he just wipes them out. Even the stuff that grows in the ground, God said, we're wiping it all out. That is that is the God we serve. That is the God we love. Yes, sir?
1: Uh, I find it interesting when like, there's a, some sort of disaster, tsunami, an earthquake, and some people attribute that to God and others say he would never do that. And obviously they've never read these stories. That he wipes out the entire city and the flood wiped off you know, the, the entire population of the earth. Yeah.
0: But they say he would never do these things because it's out of his character. But right. I think those are people who don't know God. They don't know who they're talking about. Because, again, th- this to me, as a, you know, as you go through it slowly, it's incredible to me. And it says in verse 19, or excuse me, verse 24, the Lord, then the Lord, that's Yahweh, He rained on Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone from the Lord out of heaven. There's a lot of controversy on this verse. I think this verse is clear as day. It can't be argued with. You got the Lord in heaven. You got the Lord on earth. The Lord on earth calls down fire and brimstone from the Lord in heaven. It's not two lords, but there's two manifestations of the one Lord that is. You've got, and I uh, I think think it was Calvin that said, I think it was Calvin. I can't remember. I think it was Calvin that said, basically, in this text, you've got Two people, of two persons of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Father, and God the Son, and the Son is calling down fire and brimstone. Again, I don't see how people on a Trinitarian level just taking a Trinitarian detour. I don't see how people get around this text. I've heard some really great tries, but I don't think you can. I've heard some really great parallel examples, but they don't fit. You can't get around this text. You got the Lord on earth. You got the Lord in heaven. (sighs) So, but... Uh, if if you want to talk to me about that afterwards, we can, we can, because um, we're almost out of time. But uh, verse 27. Oh, I want to talk about um, Lot's wife real quick. Lot's wife from behind when she turned into a pillar of salt. What uh, the 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 best thing that I read was again the chemicals and all of this that were in the air that caused all of this fire and stuff. When she turned, they just kind of I don't. I don't know if she literally turned into a pillar of salt or or if she was encased by a pillar or if she was encased in salt. Whatever it was, it was so bad that when she turned around, she looked back. She was she was thinking, this is where I'm leaving. This is where I'm losing, not thinking I'm going where God wants me to go. She was judged and she became a pillar of salt. But verse 27. Now, Abraham rose early in the morning. He's worried. And went to the place where he stood before the Lord, and he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah, and toward all the land of the valley. And he saw, and behold, the smoke of the land ascended like the smoke of a furnace. Thus it came about, when God destroyed the cities of the valley, that God remembered Abraham. And the Lord sent Lot out in the midst of the overthrow, when he overthrew the cities in which Lot lived. Again. It is a complete devastation of where Lot was. Lot, by the grace of God, who seems to be this paradox, because we, I, I, I read Genesis, and I see Lot as not a great guy. But again, the New Testament calls him righteous. I don't get that. But God gets him out, and there is nothing left. Yes?
2: I think maybe one of the things... I mean I'm just observing and looking at the text I don't see anything really miraculous other than them blinding the other men for Lot to believe that God was going to deliver him so for him to obey and uproot everything and all the business ventures all the commerce that he's established in two cities not just one right I think in all the cities of the plain and he's letting all that go because he's saying okay I better go he's living by faith you know so I don't know if he's living my faith in something.
0: He 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 might be. You you might be right. But, I, you know, I'm like, he hesitated, and they had to grab his hand and pull him out. So I, when I read that, I'm kind of like, did he really want to go? You know, I'm not sure that Lot in his heart really wanted to go until he started seeing the fire and brimstone coming down. Okay. Then he was like, yeah, I think it's better that we go. Yeah. You know, but... Did he want to leave at that time? I don't know, because, again, they had to grab his hand and his wife's hand and his daughter's hand, and they had to get out of there. Yes, sir? I
3: think, I think along what he was saying, it kind of shows how he was still wrestling with the fleshly desires, and his wife uh, was really, when she had turned back to look at what she was leaving, it shows the unrepentant uh, type of a heart that she had, whereas he, he had that repentant Heart behind it, he was still wrestling with that want though. Whereas she was just like, I really want that.
0: Maybe, I mean, the text doesn't say so, Maybe, I we're we're out of time. Did you have a question? No,
1: it was was something along
0: those lines. Um, I I wanted to go to Jude 7 and 2 Peter that we're going to talk about what, excuse me, what the New Testament says about what had happened. Um, And it is clear that. The, the cities were destroyed because of homosexual activity. Homosexual activity is a capital crime in the Bible. You lose your life. The reason why you don't see the prophets or anybody writing a whole bunch about homosexual activity is because they killed them. You didn't have a whole bunch of homosexuals running around in Israel because they were dead. All right? And so um, I, I, oh, I wanted to cover some more material, but I, I think we're going to have to end there. There, Is there any question? Uh, you want to talk to me after? No, just
2: I was going to say is the-
0: Yes, there is, there is, there is that text in Ezekiel which a lot of the the pro homosexuals will go to, saying, "See, this means that they didn't care for the poor." But I think when you go to the New Testament and you read those texts, it's pretty clear. And then when you put Romans on top of it, you know, it's homosexual activity. Let's stay away from. One leads
2: it. To the other because so what self- do you mean? They're self-effacing. When you're when it says in Romans, they turn to love one another right. for the same sex. It shows, like, they love themselves so much. You're not going to give to the poor if you love yourself
0: that much. True, 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 true. Uh, Let's pray, and let's go into worship. It's one minute till. Um, Father, I just thank you, Lord, for um, this time. I just ask that the the message would be blessed, that, you know, again, as we're trekking through Genesis, that people would learn and ask questions, ask questions of me, ask questions of the text, Lord, that we would struggle through this together, Um, just so that we can understand who you are better, Lord, that we can know you through your word, we can live for you and love you, and Lord, we will give you all the praise, honor, and glory. Let's, let us worship well as we go into our service. Lord, this is the anniversary of our church. Lord, let us celebrate uh, that fact that Heritage Grace is one year old. Lord, let us just rejoice and have a good time of worship. We all said "God's in, uh, in God's name, amen.